It's been several weeks since our last conversation. If you've been following the blog, you'll know that I've been on an extended joy trip. Even though I might have been able to do some low-level audio production in the field, I figured it'd be better if I concentrated on gathering content and bring back new stories for you to enjoy. I just got back from 10 days in Colorado. I had the pleasure of attending the Mountain Film Festival in Telluride. Unlike other film festivals, Mountain Film is more than just movies. The four-day event over Memorial Day weekend addresses a wide variety of social topics of interest to people like you who are eager to protect the natural environment. In the coming weeks, I'll bring you a series of stories I collected in conversation with a few of the presenters. I'll also share with you some of the stories behind their books and amazing films now in distribution or coming soon. One of the true highlights of Mountain Film was the world premiere of the new PBS documentary, The National Parks, America's Best Idea, by Ken Burns. Festival attendees had the opportunity to see all six episodes of this 12-hour film on the big screen, not all at once, but over three days. As you can imagine, the film lived up to its expectations. The most beautiful landscapes of North America were the perfect backdrop to portray the history of our wonderful national parks. But while Ken Burns' reputation as a filmmaker is well known, little do most realize that his documentary film franchise has a literary silent partner. Dayton Duncan is the writer and co-producer of the National Parks film series. And while Ken Burns shows us images of these wild and scenic places, it's Duncan who tells their stories. So the challenge was to find all those stories and then try to construct a narrative out of it. And of course then the heartbreaking thing is the stories that you end up not being able to tell. The easiest thing was every park has a great story or great stories and often inspiring ones of everyday Americans devoting themselves to saving that place, protecting it and eventually getting it made into a national park. As a writer, to find those people and to tell the, those stories. In one sense, it's a re repetitive story, but it's always in a new place that's spectacular in its own right and has its own story about, you know, what is this place like? And it always has a, a, a changing cast of characters who are always fascinating, who are responsible for saving that place. Today in our national parks, we stand in awe of the breathtaking grandeur of towering waterfalls, deep jagged canyons, flowing rivers of molten lava, and gushing hot steaming geysers. But behind each of these great monuments are the stories of people over the last 100 years who have fought to protect them. Writer Dayton Duncan shares with us a past that is perhaps prologue to a future of preservation. I'm James Mills, and you're listening to The Joy Trip Project. Because this is such a ambitious project, where do you start in a project like this? Where did it all begin? We uh, moved forward on these things uh, on all fronts almost, uh, not quite simultaneously. I did a lot of reading, a lot of research, went to a lot of parks ahead of time, meeting park superintendents or uh, historians and others who had uh, things to tell me about those places. And, but as I was gathering the, that information long before I had started writing, 
we also started shooting and, con and conducting interviews. And we find that that uh, also is a good part of the process because we learn more from that than just for me to go write a script and then march out and try to just illustrate that. Uh, you could do it that way, but, it's, but we, we find that trying to move forward uh, left hand and right hand working simultaneously that it, it works better. But, it, you know, because there are so many parks, because we wanted to capture the majesty, the beauty of those places, we added essentially two years to a regular production schedule for a film this size because we knew we had to get to the places, number one. And number two, we had to give ourselves time to perhaps return in a different season or return because the light wasn't quite uh, right. And, you know, uh, that I don't want in any instance to make that sound like a complaint. It meant that I got to go to all 58 of the national parks. It meant that our crews and Ken, we got to come back to Yosemite or Yellowstone or the Grand Canyon several times. And, you know, that was part of our, quote, job. But, boy, that's a great job to have. With so much ground to cover over 10 years, I mean, you, you basically took all that time to be able to develop all of this content. Yeah. When it comes to the audience, I mean, the, the message, what is it that you want people to come away with having experience when they see this film? I hope that people who watch our series will recognize a few things. Number one, that uh, this is an, an American idea and one that we should be proud of. Number two, that at the heart of that idea is that every single American, regardless of how much money they've got, regardless of who their parents are, regardless of whether their ancestors came over on the Mayflower or they just arrived, regardless of their race or their ethnicity, they are owners of this these spectacular array of places. Uh, they belong to every single American. And uh, I hope that they will understand as well that those places didn't happen, weren't set aside, you know, by you know divine decree, or that there was struggle, there was uh, there was effort that was made, inspiring stories of everyday Americans, some famous, but more often than not, not famous peoples, you know, uh, are responsible for these this legacy that is ours. And hopefully they'll then be inspired, A, to, if they haven't already been to a national park, to go to one and to bring their family and to start what I th call the sort of chain reaction of affection and stewardship. And I hope that they will be inspired as well to make sure that the parks that already exist are well taken care of. It's their property. They put it in their will for their kids. And hopefully then their kids will put it in their will for our grandchildren. You know, we come to these places that were set aside by people we never met and who never know for sure that we would be coming there based on the hope and the conviction that these are, are important to be set aside, that it's important for a democracy to have these places for everybody. And therefore, it's important for us to, you know, to do the same for people we will never meet, generations, you know, echoing down, you know, the years and the scores of years and the hundreds of years. Everybody understands, you know, it, does, it doesn't take a, a doctorate degree to understand that left to its own devices, the really special places would ultimately be monopolized by 
people who have the money. You know, if there weren't national parks, this beautiful, exquisite valley would be a gated community. If it weren't for national parks, the rim of the Grand Canyon would be lined with McMansions. Yellowstone would be geyser world and a more of amusement park than a place that ultimately became the refuge for bison, that saved the bison from extinction. That wasn't why it was set aside, but thank God that there was the park where the last remaining bison had found refuge and they were protected and the bison were able to come back. A place where wolves could be reintroduced into the ecosystem. The shoreline of Acadia National Park would be the shoreline of much of the rest of the East Coast, privately owned, separated out from everyday people. And because, you know, it's a natural human impulse to draw inspiration and relaxation from these special places. And without national parks, there'd be millions upon millions of people that would be denied that equal opportunity to have that by virtue of being American citizens. Now, one of the underlying themes throughout the entire film is diversity. Mm -hmm. In fact, you do a fabulous job of telling a variety of different stories from a variety of different points of view from various people of very different walks of life. I have to assume that that was intentional, but what was the purpose in that? Our purpose as historical storytellers is to tell history accurately. And one of the wonderful things that we learned in researching the history of, of the national parks is that it is a diverse story. It hasn't often been told that way. You know, it's, it's hard not to be attracted to Theodore Roosevelt or to John Muir, and we give them their all the time and, you know, attention that they so fully deserve. But what we learned is if you want to tell the real story of the national parks, you also tell the story of George Melendez Wright a young Hispanic biologist who is a hero in the story of the evolution of the park idea to protect nature as nature, not just that parks are not not just meant for scenery, they're meant to preserve nature. And he is responsible for changing the direction of park policy to recognize that. To tell the true story of the national parks, you have to tell the story, I think, of Lancelot Jones, whose father had been uh, a slave who became responsible for helping save some of the last undeveloped islands south of Miami to become Biscayne National Park. You have to tell the story of George Massa, a Japanese immigrant whose photographs and dedication helped create Great Smoky Mountains National Park in Tennessee and North Carolina, a guy who died penniless because he devoted all of his money and all of his energies to it. Those are great stories. We would be uh, negligent, both as historians and as storytellers, not to want to tell those. So we don't tell them for the express purpose to say, oh yeah, let's, now let's tell a, you know, a, a story about diversity. We tell those stories because they are true, they are important, and they're compelling. I think the, the biggest, I guess, surprise for me was how many of those there were. And the hardest thing was, you know, there are some of those stories that we ended up not even being able to tell. But that's one of the glories of, I think, of the park idea, is that it's the parks are supposed to be for everyone. And when you look at the history of the national parks, 
people from every walk of life have been involved from the very beginning. A lot of times they haven't got the attention they deserved, and we hope that our film will, will give them some of that. Now, you succeeded in anticipating my next question. Was there anything in particular that surprised you, or what surprised you most of all through the course of the 10 years in, in creating this yeah. film? I, I think what surprised me most of all was this notion that, you know, I knew a few stories of a few national parks and the role that, say, John Muir played, you know, the evangelist of conservation. I knew a little bit about him. And I knew some stories of some individual parks. But what amazed me, if not surprised me, was that, you know, you look at any national park, you turn over the rock of its story, and what you find is the story of one person, two people, a small group of people who love that place so much that they want to save it, not for themselves, but for, for everybody. You know, it's a selfless act. It just became overpowering to me after a while of how consistently that is the, the story. Uh, Juanita Green, a, a journalist who was involved in the, also in the creation of Biscayne National Park and one of the people we interviewed, said that it is, it's democracy when it works well at its best. You know, a ground-up movement that does something that reverberates, you know, forever. John Muir said, lucky is the, are, are those who, if they have the chance to make a new park, will do it, that they will have the courage, the passion, and the benevolent forecast. They will not be forgotten, he said. The trees and their lovers will sing their praises, and generations yet unborn will rise up and call them blessed. You know, and that's what it's all about. What do you hope for the future? For the parks? For the parks, for America. My hope is that these special places continue to be protected, that more Americans come and exercise their ownership and feel that ownership so that they become passionate about the place and make sure that the necessary political support and monetary support from, the, from our government says this is our property and we want proper maintenance of it. That's what I hope for the future of the parks. I hope that there will be more parks. You know, one of the things that we learned in the history of the national parks is there's never going to be a shortage of people trying to do things that aren't in that interest. There's always going to be someone who's going to look at a river and say, boy, that's a great place to build a dam. There's always going to be people, uh, and always have been, who look at a forest and think in terms of board feet there's going to be people think in terms of mining a mountain. We'll never run out of that. And that's who we are, too, as a people. And, you know, that is part of what makes us up as Americans, that inquisitive uh, part of us. But what we have seen in the history is that counterbalancing that have been people who have stepped forward to say, not here, not this place, not ever here. And what I, my hope is... Uh, is that we won't run out of a supply of those people either. And if our film plays any role in increasing the supply of that to counterbalance what we know will always you know, be on the other side, then I'll feel that I have done my duty as an American.
The new documentary film, The National Parks, America's Best Idea, airs on public broadcasting system stations nationwide on September 27th. Check your local listings for details. For more information, visit pbs.org forward slash national parks. For the Joy Chip Project, this is James Mills. The Joy Trip Project is a production of the Outdoor Professional Incorporated, James Mills Producer. This podcast comes to you thanks to the generous support of the Outdoor Foundation, dedicated to inspire and grow future generations of outdoor enthusiasts. You can support this podcast and other non-commercial productions in new media through a charitable contribution of any amount. Just make a pledge by email to info at outdoorfoundation.org and tell them it's for the Joy Trip Project. Thanks for listening, but we want to hear from you. Write to info at joytripproject.com. Send us your comments and suggestions. Post your pictures and videos to our Facebook fan page. Share your stories of outdoor adventure, environmental conservation, and practices of sustainable living. You just might inspire our next joy trip together. But most of all, don't forget to tell your friends. And coming up... One of the things you know that, that I started to do from the beginning with when I was photographing mountain was to try to, to share the place with other people. And uh, I would say with the, with, the, with the parks project, actually, I'm, I'm really trying to, to, to inspire your people, you know, so, so that they, they really feel like uh, visiting the place themselves. We continue our conversations from Mountain Film and Telluride. Still photographer Quan Tuong Luong was a major contributor of images to the documentary film The National Parks, America's Best Idea. Listen to his story next time on The Joy Trip Project.